Silence is their answer. The one percent is clear. If we organize for justice, they respond in right gear. Ninety-nine want health care for all and for all to go to school. Not poisons in our country driven by military rule. From Washington, D.C., specifically uh, the Office of the Project on Government Oversight, uh, welcome to the Tim Danny Show here at Danahy.com, and we're a proud member of the Coffee Party USA Network. And today's show is a joint production of sorts. Uh, it's a joint production of the uh, Project on Government Oversight, which we'll often refer to as POGO, and the Coffee Party. And uh, I should let you know the Coffee Party is a nonpartisan organization which uh, uh, encourages a civil discussion of issues and political engagement with our government and um, – I tell you what, uh, before we talk with Liz Hempowitz about uh, government transparency and the lack thereof, um, let's uh, take a couple minutes to talk with the, the Project on Government Oversight um, as an organization with uh, Mandy Smithberger. And uh, uh, Mandy, welcome to the Tim Danahy Show and Coffee Party USA. Thanks so much for having me. Well, y- you know, uh, we've had you on before with great stuff. I, I love the work that, that uh, POGO does. Um, so, but Others may not be familiar with it. Can you talk about it just a little bit, please? Absolutely. So the Project on Government Oversight was founded in 1981. We are a nonpartisan good government watchdog organization. We started off as a front group for Pentagon whistleblowers who were concerned about both ineffective and unaffordable weapons being delivered to our military. Since then, our mission has grown significantly. It includes uh, contract oversight, open government issues more generally, uh, to everything now to include regulatory reform. Well, and it's uh, the the interest in your subject is nothing short of extraordinary because you know some shows that I do, Mandy. You know, I mean, I'm sitting here. Uh, you know, I use the term flatline. You know, like the the public isn't picking up on it. You know, like uh, SBA contracts and how they're awarded to large businesses. I've done shows on that. Um, you know, and you get a few. Uh, uh, a few tens of thousands of people that maybe respond to it. But whenever I do uh, Pogo stories, I come in at 159,000, 200,000 people reached. It's nothing short of remarkable. So there's a huge interest in the work that you're doing. It's very important stuff. Well, we're so glad that people are interested because we definitely need people to be active to make sure that we have an effective and accountable government. And and, and you do a marvelous job with that. And, and uh, some of the people involved are Dan Grazier, who's been on the show a couple of times. Uh, you and I are going to work together a little bit on a project about the unauditability of the Defense Department and how they're in violation of the law, which is one of the coolest subjects uh, around. You know, I love inconsistencies. And whenever Liz Hempowitz and I talk, uh, we're going to talk about inconsistency in the application of government transparency. So your work is fabulous. You're down here in Washington, and, and I really I want to uh, congratulate you on everything that you do. It's, uh, it's uh, democracy's work. Well, thank you so much for having us and for digging deep into this and bringing our message to other people. Well, uh, thank you. And I'll tell you what we're going to do. It's kind of early in the show for a, a quick commercial, but what we're going to do is play uh, the Project on Government Oversight's commercial. Uh, it, it's it's going to be kind of a bootleg type of thing. You know, this may be the only time you ever get to hear it, depending on what their lawyers say. But uh, but we'll uh, we'll play it this once. And uh, um, and so if, you, if I'm not on the air next week, you'll know that I'm, I'm fleeing Pogo's lawyers. So uh, we're talking with uh, Mandy Smithberger and Liz Hempowitz here on the Tim Danny Show. We'll be right back. We want a decent job. No predatory lenders and banks that steal and rob. No drones in Pakistan. 
no assassination plan. No wars in Iraq, Iran, Congo, Afghanistan. Thomas Paine once said, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must undergo the fatigue of supporting it. He knew holding our government accountable is a responsibility we must all assume. Fortunately, since 1981, the Project on Government Oversight, POGO, has been a nonpartisan, independent watchdog that champions good government reforms. POGO.org works for a more effective, open, and accountable federal government. Sign up for POGO.org's free online newsletter. Learn what's happening. Get involved and support our freedom. The Project on Government Oversight. POGO.org. It's against the law to be a pacifist here in the USA. Because the government says we're terrorists and takes our rights away. Welcome to Danahy.com's American History Minute. This episode is entitled Aaron Burr's Water. It's brought to you by Coffee Party USA, promoting civil discussion and political engagement across America. Learn more at coffeepartyusa.com. Here's today's History Minute. In 1798, yellow fever ravaged New York City. Local government knew they had to develop a public water system. Aaron Burr sensed an opportunity for privatization. He falsified polls to favor privatization and manipulated the legislature to grant his company a corporate charter and award him the water contract. The devil was in the details. Burr included a novel clause that his corporation, the Manhattan Company, could live in perpetuity and its surplus capital could be used for any purpose, not just water. He raised $2 million and optimized profits by using brackish water from a pond, used wood pipes instead of iron built an adequate storage, was exempt from repairing streets he destroyed, bankrupted freshwater competitors, and spent less than $100,000. When he was done, only 1,700 households out of a population of 70,000 had an erratic and impure water supply. And what of the rest of the $2 million and the real reason for privatization of public water? Burr's true motive was for the Manhattan Company to be a bank. It became Chase Manhattan, and today it's J.P. Morgan. The rest is banking history. Today's minute was sourced from Gerald Keppel, author of great books such as Water for Gotham and City on the Grid. Please sign up for the regular show announcements at Danahy.com. Follow us on Facebook at Tim Danahy Show. Follow us on Twitter at hashtag Tim Danahy Show. And thank you for listening. The enemy to Romney and Barack. Bill of Rights, civil liberties, they both are trying to sack. Welcome back to the Tim Danny Show here at Danny.com. And, and uh, as I said earlier, today is kind of a special day because this is kind of a uh, joint production with the Coffee Party USA, uh, uh, upon which I'm part of the radio network, but I'm also uh, a member of the board of directors. And also we're here with the Project on Government Oversight, which is an organization um, uh, with, with whom I've worked uh, on a number of shows, who, who I'm such a, a big advocate of their work because – Truthfully, what they're trying to do is hold government accountable, and they're trying, uh, they're tackling some of the, the the biggest entities in government, including the Defense Department, and uh, the courage, the knowledge, the wisdom, uh, the integrity that it takes to do this is is off the charts. And I'm not using technical words here; I'm using real words because these are real people fighting a, a real battle for you and, and for me. And so uh, we hope to uh, continue this relationship and, and continue. Um, to fight for our democratic republic. 
Uh, we talked with Mandy uh, in the first segment, but now we have Liz Hempowitz with us. And uh, uh, I just met Liz for the first time this morning. Wonderful person. Uh, but she's really getting at, at something that is kind of a sore point. And it's really kind of, um, uh, I use the term, a stain, a potential stain on Obama's legacy. Uh, for all the things you may like about him or may not like about him, um, there, there's one issue that, that that's troubling. And Liz, welcome to the to the Tim Danahy Show and the Coffee Party USA. Thanks for having me, Tim. I'm well, very excited to be here. Well, you should be. You're also a little nervous too. So let, let's just acknowledge that. <laughs> yes. Let's just put let's just put that behind us. <laughs> as an avid podcast listener, this is my first time as a guest on any show. So, okay. well, you, you know what you can do is, is that you can uh, you, you can tell everybody that how much you've enjoyed listening to all the Tim Danahy Show episodes. I've I've greatly enjoyed listening okay. to every single one. There you, there you go. We need more people to say things like that. <laughs> but uh, um, Liz, let me open up the subject. And uh, I mentioned it earlier uh, off air. Um, there, there's four big issues as far as government transparency goes and whistleblowing. And um, and I'll just say one one is uh, uh, Edward Snowden, and he's exiled in Russia right now. The other one is uh, Bradley or Chelsea Manning, who's in jail right now for releasing um, a video, as I recall, of a, um, uh, a tragic government uh, uh, attack uh, on uh, innocent civilians, really. Uh, uh, the other one is uh, Hillary Clinton, who's right now being uh, severely questioned, you know, saying that she should be arrested or she violated the law or at least, uh, at the very least, uh, politically harassed. Mm -hmm. And the other one is General David Petraeus, who uh, has essentially got his reprimand. He got a $100,000 fine, and he's uh, and got his four-star pension reinstated. Mm -hmm. And even though he's the only one to sell, in, in essence, use government secrets for profit, for mm -hmm. his own book, through mm -hmm. uh, Paula Broadwell. Is that, was that her name, Paula Broadwell? Yeah. Uh, for profit. Um, what is the story with with government transparency and the treatment of whistleblowers right now? Great question, um, and it is not surprising that one would be confused because, like you said, there's this complete um, uh, there's a completely different treatment of you know whistleblowers like uh, Thomas Drake or um, versus you know people like General Petraeus who release information, classified or sensitive information for their own personal gain. And uh, so Thomas Drake, what, what he was doing, just a very brief synopsis, was he was um, going up the chain of command at the NSA to, to uh, question the um, legality and the usefulness of programs that the NSA was using versus what General Petraeus did of giving, again, you know, classified information to his, to his biographer. Uh, so you look at the you look at the intent behind these two the two actions. Um, General Petraeus was doing it for his own for his own good, um, and Thomas Drake was doing it for the public good. Yet he's the one who was under investigation. He was the one who had his career uh, taken from him. Whereas, like you said, General Petraeus retired, four star general pension. His you you did mention he was fined, um, and I I will just the the fine is a little bit of a of a sore spot for me because that number of a hundred million dollars has 100, been hundred thousand I'm it sorry. Should have been yes. million. You know that number of a hundred hundred thousand dollars has been touted as this, you know, this oh this is a huge fine. Um, but it's double what was asked for by the Department of Justice and it's less than what he makes for one speaking engagement. 
So he, he, he could fly into New York, hypothetically, and give a speech on some innocuous subject and make 200000 much like Hillary Clinton did. It's a drop in the bucket for, for, for General Petraeus. And, um, and it's a slap in the face to, general, to, to genuine whistleblowers who are having their, their lives ruined, their, their families are being torn apart by, by these investigations, even if they don't bring anything about. You know, retaliatory investigations is something that we work on a lot here at POGO because it's very easy for a government agency uh, to initiate against a whistleblower because it's a, it's a win-win for them. They either find something or they don't. Well, I, I read some of your articles um, on uh, pogo.org is the website, and you can access uh, more about the Project on Government Oversight. They're excellent articles, their research papers, uh, uh, everything, a, a fabulous uh, organization. And I'm going to say that a couple more times, too. And, um, but uh, I, I take a look at this, and a lot of these whistleblowers, and, and I recall there was one from the Marines, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. that are, are, are being classified on par as terrorists. And, you know, I, I know in the Patriot Act, Patriot Act that, you know, a lot of organizations were classified as terrorist organizations, including, I believe, the Quakers mm -hmm. for being um, pacifist organizations, and that was not tolerable with, with mm -hmm. the framework of the time. What's the story with, with uh, a gentleman within the, the Marines who's being classified? Uh, uh, um, it was in a recent article, but, but they were equating him uh, uh, as being a terrorist. Uh, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Um, and it was, I don't know if he was equated as a terrorist. However, that, that does bring up the insider threat program, which I will talk about in, in, in a little bit. Um, but what this, what this Marine did, I think he was, cla he was uh, prosecuted for releasing classified information. And what he was trying to do was trying to expose that there was a credible threat um, in Afghanistan to, to Marine troops there. And then the person that he was, he he was trying to warn um, about uh, that one of the people, I'm sorry, one of the people he was trying to warn them about uh, three days later or a few days later killed three Marines. Um, and I think that's that's what you're talking yes. about. But um, but the I don't I don't know. I don't think he was uh, classified as a terrorist, but he was he was um, treated as somebody who mishandled classified information, which is very bad. Well, uh, the sad thing is, is that isn't there a sort of vindication for Edward Snowden and for these others who released this information uh, that I believe Edward Snowden tried to go through the, the hierarchy too. And, and within the federal courts, it was upheld that what they reported was in fact, what the government was doing was in fact overstepping constitutional uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, rights. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, this Edward Snowden has brought so much um, good debate to these issues to the public. Um, it was one of the first times, if not the first, that the NSA really had to justify itself um, its, uh, and its actions to the public. Um, and as a government agency, it, they're there, they are there to serve the public. Um, so that's a very good thing. And we do have, you know, we did have um, former Attorney General uh, Eric Holder recently speaking and, and, and saying that Edward Snowden did a public service. In the same sentence, you know, he said, you know, but 
but it wasn't really up to him to to do this, and he did, you know, cause cause harm. Um, and so it is. It is an interesting, I, you know, I, I try not to use Edward Snowden as an example just because it is still ongoing. You know, we still are finding out new things um, that, he's, that he's revealing new, new programs, um, and, and it's an ongoing debate. And, and earlier I talked about Thomas Drake, uh, and, and a lot of people see him as kind of um, the poster boy for NSA whistleblowers because Thomas Drake did go through all the proper channels. Um, and, you know, it was a very similar program that he was raising issues about. It was the same agency. Um, and and Edward Snowden has said that he saw what happened to Thomas Drake, and that's why he didn't go through or he, you know, didn't pursue only the proper channels. He did try. Uh, when nothing happened, he, he went to the public. And um, it's one of the reasons why POGO spends so much of our time, you know, as our policy council, I work on our legislative, I work on our legislative initiatives, and a lot of my time is spent trying to get whistleblower protections for um, contractors working in the, te- in the intelligence community, and that would have covered Edward Snowden. Well, well Liz, you know, uh, I, I introduced these subjects, and I'm totally unfair about this, but um, a lot of the work performed by the NSA is, is performed by a private contractor, too. It, it's, a, it's a private corporation, and one would think that that would have some serious issues uh, for a private uh, organization. Um, uh, I believe it's Booz Allen, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, w- which is uh, doing a lot of the work uh, for the NSA. Aren't there some complications involved with this? I mean, if it's okay to be with Booz Allen and release all these things, are, are, it creates a, a different level of accountability or uh, how, how can we try and reconcile such a thing? Absolutely, and, and it's a great point you made. Uh, Pogo does a lot of work on the increasing reliance on contractors in, in governmental functions. And, and the intelligence community is a great example, and also a really good example of why we need to look at these contractors not as employees of private, um, private corporations, but also as, you know, they need, they need protections like government employees have, because they are, you know, they have top secret security clearance. They have access to information that I would never have access to. Um, I'm not a government employee, so I'm a bad example, but, but they do, you know, they, they do need um, these same protections, and, and I wish I could talk more on the problems with relying on, um, on contractors more and more. That is a little bit outside of my, um, my scope of expertise, um, but, but there are people here at Pogo who I'm sure would be happy to talk to you in the future. Well, and we will, I promise, <laughs> you know, and so um, so, uh, you know, uh, so this Thomas Drake, okay, uh, he went through the channels, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, allegedly, we're supposed to have channels for whistleblowers, but yet uh, the doors were shut at him, shut on well, him at every level. And so, I'm sorry, so not to interrupt. So, so. No, Liz, you should, be, 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 <laughs> okay. because you're far more interesting okay. than I am. <laughs> okay. um, good to hear. Um, so I, I don't want to say that there are no channels for whistleblowers to go through at the NSA. They absolutely can go to the Office of the Inspector General. Um, but um, So while they have the channels, they don't have the protections, and they don't have incentives to go through the channels. Because you go through the proper channels, and without protections, you the information that you are disclosing can be swept under the rug. You can be treated as persona non grata. Uh, you can be fired. You can be stripped of your security clearance. You can, um, you know, there's 
there's you can be put under investigation like I spoke about earlier I'm talking criminal investigation and again I mentioned earlier it was a win-win for an agency to do something like that because they find some if they find something um, then then you know good thing this this investigation was warranted and if they don't find something they're just doing their due diligence but they spend this time and money investigating you and you can't you know you your your security clearances is suspended at least you can't work um, it disrupts your life all because you're trying to go through the proper channels to disclose something that you saw as you know, fraud waste abuse um, of authority and illegal actions um, things like that so so they do have there are the channels but but without the incentives to go through them um, you know you get more protections as a whistleblower coming somewhere like Pogo who's going to keep your identity secret than you do through going through these through these offices. Sometimes. Well, it, it's it's a, a frightening situation, but so really what we have are, whereas the government may come out and they may say, um, you know, whistleblowers, you know, how great they are, let's offer protection. The truth of the matter is nothing. Uh, there, there are real no practical protections for the whistleblower. Um, well, it depends. So another problem with whistleblower uh, law and whistleblower protections is that it's a patchwork of protections across the federal government. You know, whistleblowers in the financial sector have financial incentives to blow the whistle. They are treated as heroes. Whistleblowers at the intelligence community are within the intelligence community are are given you know um, a, an immediate side eye, and their their motives are questioned. They their their uh, pers- they their personal lives are questioned. Their um, you know, it's it's uh, you're almost looked at as un-American, and it's the it's the same thing we've seen in the military. Uh, you know, people who raise who raise very serious issues are looked at as you know um, trying to trying to implode our, our military system when really they're trying to make it better. Hold it accountable. Yes, these are the people we should be celebrating. Uh, I tell you, what, let's do this right now, uh, if we could, Liz. Uh, what I'd like to do is break for another commercial, and then we. When we come back, you used a term earlier that I, I would like. You said we're going to follow up, and you, you whetted my appetite on that one. Uh, we'll do that. And then also I want to talk about the Freedom of Information Act. And uh, so we're talking with Liz Hempowitz of the Project on Government Oversight. Mandy Smithberg of the Project on Government Oversight are here. And this is a joint production with the Coffee Party USA. And uh, doggone it, you know, maybe, maybe we get enough people to pay attention. Uh, we can have them start writing their congressmen and their senators and, and get something done. But you're listening to all of this here on the Tim Danny. He show will be right back. Yeah, Dems and Republicans won't let us in debates. So the only ones at the podiums are corporate candidates. You see, truth spoken to power can only serve to illuminate. You preserve a nation one community at a time, with shared knowledge and an informed electorate, with many voices speaking with civility and integrity. And we will preserve our nation when we participate, we learn, we discuss, we vote. We are the Coffee Party USA. Join us today. CoffeePartyUSA.com Hundreds of lives of the 1% and that might change the state. The network grows. Voices speaking news corporate media won't broadcast. Danahy.com, EgbertoWillies.com, and now we add I Take Liberty with My Coffee.com with Bobby Rodrigo. Informed, progressive, truthful voices discussing issues above the sound bites of politicians and press releases. Real news with consequences for America, for democracy, for justice, for you. Welcome 
to Bobby Rodrigo and I take liberty with my coffee.com. Listen now. And if you want it back, don't throw your voice away on Romney and Barack. So when it's time to vote this year, if you're not sitting in some jail, don't vote for the 1% and let the 99 prevail. Welcome back to the Tim Danny Show here at Danny.com. And we're having, um, I'm having a wonderful time. It's a, a Coffee Party USA and a Project uh, on Government Oversight uh, joint show is what we're doing. And, and we're talking about uh, government transparency. We're talking about uh, Freedom of Information Act. And uh, these people at the Project on Government Oversight, it's a, uh, their pogo.org. Uh, I, I don't think uh, you guys are above accepting donations on your webpage at all, are you? As long as you don't have a financial interest in our investigations. Okay, uh, so uh, I, I guess there will be some organ. I, I guess uh, Lockheed Martin uh, are, uh, are, is out. Is now welcome. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. And, then, and then since we're going to have two of you kind of intermittently, we're going to have to make sure that we get that yeah. uh, microphone. You're going to have to be like a backup swinger, uh, <laughs> uh, singers to uh, Bruce Springsteen or something. Um, but... Uh, Liz, uh, Liz Hempowitz of uh, Pogo, uh, you, you used a term earlier before, and um, the, the term was insider threat, and you whetted my appetite on that. You promised me that you would get back to this. <laughs> uh, what's going on with that? So the insider threat program is um, was one that was created by an executive order by the president, and what it is, the, the bottom line of this program is to preemptively find uh, people within government agencies who pose a threat to the agency. Um, and so they're supposed to be looking for people like um, the Fort Hood shooter, um, the Navy Yard shooter. Um, uh, do we have any other good, really good examples? Well, I, I think that the, what you're saying is people that um – pose a threat to the service people and potentially even a terrorist threat, yes. looking at it that way, somehow finding what's going on. But but that would seem to be a very dangerous path to, to tread. Yes. So so let, I'm, I just want to give a little bit more information about the program um, because it's, you know, it seems um, with that with that one sentence I just gave you, it seems like a very good idea. Um, however, one thing that we uh, – Pogo and organizations like ours have been worried about since the inception of this program is that it would be used to root out whistleblowers instead of just insider threats. Um, and there is a big difference between a whistleblower who is protected by law from um, exposing and raising concerns, even if they're not founded, if they have a reasonable belief that that what they what they um, are seeking to to expose or to report. Um, is, you know, constitutes fraud, waste, or abuse. Uh, they're legally protected. Insider threats are not legally protected. They should not be legally protected, but they're not whistleblowers. They are people who are seeking to disrupt um, the, the workings of an agency, um, to, uh, you know, if they pose a physical threat to members of the agency, people within the agency. Uh, so th that's what an insider threat is versus what a whistleblower is. But we're not seeing enough um, we're not seeing enough training on on this um, on this on this key difference between what a whistleblower is and what an insider threat is. Well, Liz, I look at this, you know, except for the for the physical threat aspect of it, we're sitting here saying that this could be this is a somewhat arbitrary uh, switch that could be flipped bet between uh, a, a noble whistleblower, if yes. I if I can be uh, use that term. And somebody who is perceived as a threat to the operations of the government. It's somewhat arbitrary, isn't it? 
Yes. And that's the problem with a lot of whistleblower protection laws and also the, the Espionage Act, which we were talking about earlier, that, um, that, that whistleblowers are being prosecuted under, but people like General Bedreas aren't um, for doing the same thing, you know, releasing classified information. So this arbitrariness is what worries us and why we were happy that the insider threat executive order included a provision that said this isn't to be used to, to look at whistleblowers. However, um, I think in January of this year, um, the Daily Beast did a uh, did a story. Um, they released a slide, a training slide on the insider threat program that had Thomas Drake, you know, the whistleblower we spoke about earlier, uh, in uh, you know almost a lineup next to the insider threats that I mentioned earlier, the Fort Hood shooter and the Navy Yard shooter, and, and a few other people. It was like a it was a slide of eight, and they were all labeled as insider threats. Um, and it, <laughs> what the listeners didn't see is the incredulous shaking of Tim's head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah I, I'm only. I'm only human. I mean, I'm hoping the jaws are dropping across the country at, at hearing this, uh, at what's going on. But what confuses me, Liz, is that uh, the Obama administration, you know, uh, uh, didn't he on day one say that we would be the, 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 the paragon of openness and transparency? Uh, we strayed. Yes. What happened? I don't know. <laughs> That's a question we, we should be asking President Obama, and we've, uh, we've been trying to. You know, uh, POGO was joined by, by uh, over a dozen other organizations, and we sent a letter recently asking. Um, and, you know, I, I know a lot of times uh, the nonprofit community and organizations like ours are slammed for, for just sending these letters that go out into the, into the world and, and are never answered. And, and I like to push back against that narrative and say that that's not true. That's not always true. Um, and a lot of good things come come through through this work, even if even if sometimes um, that's not seen. Um, but this is one of those letters that did just go out into the ether and and was never answered. We sent it we sent it uh, over six weeks ago, um, and and the timeliness of this letter was was really you have you know 240 days left in office. These are things that you promised you would do on day one. You said you would be the most transparent um, administration in history. Yet um, yet we found. Out, I think days before we sent this letter that the Obama administration, um, not the White House, but but um, some of the executive agencies were actively lobbying against FOIA reform last year. That's the Freedom of Information Act, and that is that is one of the biggest um, biggest tools for transparency advocates. Um, and, and one of the best ways to get information out of the government. Well, I want to get into the, the FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act, mm -hmm. in just a second. But is there some legislation pending right now? Did, uh, Mandy kind of uh, uh, gave me a, a hint that there might be some hope on the horizon. Uh, what do we have going on there? Well, there's always hope on the horizon. <laughs> okay. um, we do have, I mentioned earlier, that intelligence community contractors don't have whistleblower protections. Um, there is a bill right now in the Senate that would give, that would return protections to those um, contractors. They used to have it. Uh, they used to have these protections, um, and then they were stripped in 2013. So uh, Senator Claire McCaskill has been uh, leading the efforts to to um, to return those best practice rights. They really had some of the strongest whistleblower protections um, across the board at that time, and they, they no longer do. Um, there's also pending uh, military whistleblower protection uh, enhancements in the uh, National Defense Authorization Act. Uh, both the House and Senate include different versions of, of um, very necessary common sense reforms to, to protect military whistleblowers. Um, and so we're really hoping that, that when those two uh, chambers conference their bill, um, all of those provisions are included. 
And and one more, if I may. Please. Uh, there is uh, there is um, FOIA reform has passed both the House and the Senate. Um, so now either the House or the Senate needs to take up the other's bill. Um, President Obama has has pledged that he would sign the Senate version of the bill. Um, so we're hoping that he will have that on his desk um, before the 4th of July, which is the 50th anniversary of the Freedom of Information Act. Okay, Mandy, let me ask you for just a second. Go ahead, swing that microphone around because I, I, I'm traveling and we only have two microphones here. Um, Claire McCaskill in the Senate, uh, a member of the minority party. Uh, I, I don't know who sponsored the uh, bill in the House, uh, a similar bill, uh, and I'm, I, I'll, if it is a minority party, do they have a realistic uh, chance of, of, of passing given the, the nature of Congress right now? Congress is very partisan right now, but Senator McCaskill has been very successful at working across the aisle. And in particular in the Senate, there is a whistleblower protection caucus that was recently formed. So we're seeing strong bipartisan support for whistleblower protections, understanding that you need to have protected channels to be able to make these disclosures to make sure problems are addressed. The military whistleblower protection language is actually bipartisan, which That's wonderful. we always uh, like to see as well, yeah, so, both yeah. in the House and in the Senate. So in the Senate, it's been led by Senator Boxer of California and co-sponsored by Senator Grassley, who's made his whole career about protecting whistleblowers. Um, and then in the House, it's Congresswoman Jackie Speer and Congressman Mike Kaufman, who are co-leaders of the, um, oh, forgetting the caucus name. And that's, uh, the House Watchdog Caucus, and they are joined by the co-chairs of the House Whistleblower Protection Caucus, Kathleen Rice, who is a Democrat, and Rick Blum, who is a Republican. Well, th that's heartening, actually. You know, that, that of all the issues which is divisiveness, there, there appears to be some uh, 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 consensus that maybe this is a problem that needs to be fixed. And I should mention Mike Kaufman because uh, I, I, I used to give him uh, uh, a, a lot of grief, you know, and I always supported Andrew Romanoff when he ran against him and all the other people that ran against him, um, you know, but uh, I will give him credit for this, for, t for, for, for tackling this issue. So um, uh, Mike Kaufman, I, I give a begrudging yeah. tip of my cap to you. <laughs> I, I imagine your fortitude on this issue. Um, the Freedom of Information Act, um, one area that um, – that, that I'm going to bring to life, and I, I know that you guys have, have a, an emphasis on, on defense uh, uh, issues and so forth, but um, recently in the news, uh, uh, the beef industry, the egg industry, the pork industry have all petitioned the Department of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack, and they have said, we deserve exemption from the Freedom of Information Act requirements because they say that we are funded privately. What they conveniently omitted from that statement was the fact that they are funded privately through mandatory laws uh, uh, passed by the government that forces um, ranchers and egg producers and, 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 and uh, the pork uh, ranchers to um, contribute money through a checkoff fund, which funds their operation, and they're technically not allowed to use it for lobbying. However, money's a fungible thing. You know, you, you put it in one thing and it frees up that mm -hmm. money that would have otherwise been used for um, beef, it's what's for dinner, mm -hmm. uh, it, and it allows you to use that money for uh, lobbying elsewhere. Um, 
Is the Freedom of Information Act kind of under attack at this point, too? Or, or, uh, tell, tell, tell me what the, the state of the union is on freedom of information. I think the Freedom of Information Act has been under attack almost from day one. Um, you know, I think it is almost human nature to want to cover up your tracks if you, if you make a mistake or if you're doing something wrong. Um, but it's also, it's also human nature to just want to protect yourself from um, even if you're not doing anything wrong. So I think agencies have constantly uh, pushed back on um, on strengthening the Freedom of Information Act and from having to comply with it. Um, I, on the one hand, I understand it. On the other hand, I, uh, you know, I then talk to um, FOIA officers in different agencies, and they're the ones that hand. Their hands are tied um, because they are some of the biggest transparency advocates in the government. Um, but they have to, you know, they work alongside uh, the people in the agency that want to that want to keep keep information secret. So it doesn't surprise me. This um, what you were talking about these these um, the boards trying to keep their information secret uh, doesn't surprise me. Um, it doesn't surprise me that DoD has been asking for for extra FOIA exemptions for them. That last year one of the one of the biggest leading one of the leading efforts to kill FOIA reform was coming from the financial services. Uh, from, from, I'm sorry, from the financial sector. Um, I see we see this across the board that that each agency wants its own exemption or wants its own. Um, okay to keep information secret but if we gave them to everybody we'd get nothing nothing in return well the, the in the financial sector um uh, they're asking a former exemption uh, they're uh, exempting themselves from the Freedom of Information Act for all the uh, the financial suicides under uh, uh, from, uh, uh, unusual circumstances. Mm. There has been perhaps 10 suicides, all jumping from buildings in London and New York, uh, and J.P. Morgan has asked uh, uh, for a, uh, not to be investigated in this and saying to release information will be trade secrets. And these are the people involved with um, uh, uh, the algorithms mm -hmm. involved with uh, uh, financial trading. So, mm -hmm. so this is the potential saying, well, wait a minute, if we grant financial, uh, if we give exemption from Freedom of Information Act, but there's another uh, uh, abuse of this too. Aren't there record numbers of uh, documents being classified as secret? <sighs> Yes. It's growing, and it, it, some border on the odd, don't they? Yes, and, and another problem with that is that they that these um, the classification system is not uh, uniform across the board, and not just the classification system, but the controlled and unclassified information, which is another protected form of information. But um, uh, it, it says right in the name unclassified. So, so yeah. if there's going to, you know, we talked, we've talked a lot about um, about these regulations and these rules and these laws being arbitrary. That is one that is so extremely arbitrary. The government has um, been tasked with coming up with a uniform um, form of of uh, governing these. Um, I think it's something. There's some un, there's some ridiculous number of these different classifications that fall under uh, controlled and unclassified. Um, I don't know what it is, but it's. It's ridiculous, um, and uh, but they're years late on these on these rules. Um, it's it's so frustrating as a transparency advocate. And, and I, one would imagine uh, the the process of of uh, the Freedom of Information Act is open to everybody where you can apply. But uh, I would imagine you get heavily redacted forms uh, where where and whenever I say redacted, that means you get oh here's the letter that X wrote to Y, but it's all been marked out with a black highlighter, right? Where you get nothing but the uh, 
uh, you don't even get verbs and nouns out of yes. this. You're strictly left to adjectives and adverbs yes. and stuff. It's so bad. You know, I don't know if Mandy warned you, but FOIA is my my first love. Um, well, well, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, originally you were starting out a little bit nervous on this thing. You know, not, now I'm sitting here saying, oh, my, oh my God, Liz is in attack yeah, mode need, right we're now. we're going to need a second one. Um, <laughs> um, I will just say, I will mention on the redactions one of my greatest frustrations, and um, it's great. You just gave me a platform to, good, good. to just talk about all these things. Um, but one of my greatest frustrations, and, and that I think it's shared across the across our, our um, uh, transparency community is that there isn't even uniform classifications at the, or sorry, not classification, redactions at agencies. So uh, Mandy can request some a, a document. I'll request the same document. We'll both get responsive records back on a good day, and they'll have different redactions for different reasons. So it just goes to show you that, that one, they're not using resources correctly because that means two, at least two people looked at that same document to redact it. And and didn't go with, you know, instead of one person doing it. So it's a waste of resources. But it also doesn't inspire trust in the government that it knows what it's doing. And and if you don't have trust in the government, then then what is what's the point of being in, you know, in the U.S.? <laughs> right. The, I mean, we have to stand for something. Yeah. You know, men die overseas for something. Yeah. You know, uh, we spend our money for something. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that something is really the public good and the principles upon which we stand. I mean, the Pledge of Allegiance is, is what we stand. Uh, and, and one would hope that the government would, would follow that, too. And that's what you guys are, are, are fighting to do. What does conceptually what do citizens need to do? Because this can be a daunting task, you know. And, 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 and when I say daunting, it would be overwhelming. And, and, and if I ever – I have an idea for a book that I'm going to write someday. And, and I'm not going to give it out here because <laughs> I think it's a good one. And, uh, um, but it, it can be overwhelming, all of the issues. You know, I mean, just in this show, we've talked about whistleblowing. We've mm. talked Freedom of Information Act. You know, we, we, we've hinted at defense spending. And then you can go on to other things like uh, welfare abuse or, or whatever it might be. There, there, there are as many topics as there are organizations and legislators yeah. and, and uh, involved with it. Um, should people just, like, pick out what they're passionate about? You're passionate about, about FOIA, you know, and here you are on it. I mean, should people say, hey, let's listen to Liz – and let's write our legislator about FOIA? Should we listen to Dan Grazier and write to our legislators about uh, um, Pentagon waste? Do people just, should they cut off a, a little piece or something that they're passionate about? And, and is that effective? It, yes, uh, absolutely <laughs> is very effective. I would say take it one step further. Um, and if you're comfortable taking a bite-sized piece, if you only want to talk about FOIA, by all means do. If you also care about whistleblowers, if you also care about um, uh, reforms at DOD, pick them all. Um, you don't need to be an expert to tell your representative that you care about something. And and I, w I said I would take it a step further than, um, than writing in because we anecdotally have heard from offices that it takes something as little as five phone calls on an issue from constituents to make offices pay attention to it. And um, and I will just uh, give give FOIA another shout out because um, my secret is out that, that I love FOIA so much. Um, but last year, you know, we were working on FOIA reform and we had something like like a Twitter campaign on it. Um, and it was like, you know, the the end, the final hours of when the Senate could vote on it. And so it was one of our like last ditch efforts as, as a, as a community. Um, fast forward a few months, we FOIA'd in, the, we, we got, 
documents back from from another FOIA that included emails from people on the Hill to agencies saying, look at what's happening on Twitter with the hashtag FOIA. Um, it's, it's one of the, you know, one of the first moments that I had working at Pogo that I knew, um, not from somebody telling me that, that they were paying attention, but from, but from communications with people that they needed to be talking to their, the email said something like, what are your actual concerns? I need you to tell me what they are because people are, are causing, causing trouble over this. Well, well, something I was on a, uh, I was a guest on a show in Houston, uh, two weeks ago and, uh, uh, you know, the, the host said, well, what, do, what should people do? And I said, well, first of all, uh, don't be intimidated by the subject. You know, it does break down to something that, that that's, that's conceptually understandable. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. No one's going to punish you. I said, write to, to your legislator, you know, uh, uh, write to them. If only to say this issue, FOIA, as an example, bothers me, and I, I'm going to be at least watching your positions yeah. on FOIA. Uh, I talked with a, a tax lobbyist uh, about a month ago when I was in Washington, and um, he said, uh, I said, what works most effectively? What, what motivates congressmen the most? And he goes, fear. They are terrified of being watched and being held accountable for their votes. Yeah. So if you write a letter, do a Twitter, do a, do a, um, uh, a, a message or a phone call or, or whatever it is, it does not have to be a scholarly thing. But just tell them this issue is important to you and you're going to be watching them. You know, I've got to say, um, if – if your listeners take anything from this, um, that that I just want them to know and remember that their representatives are working for them. That they can that whatever way they vote on an issue, they need to justify to their constituents. And so, you know, you don't need to be an expert. Ask them to explain it to you. Ask them to explain their position. Then you tell them, I disagree with this. You know, I disagree with your explanation, and this is why. You know, let them do the legwork for you. That's what yeah. they're there for. Well, I, I always said, and I think Mandy, I think I expressed this to you at a meeting we had at one point. I said. Really, if you go to a town hall meeting, go with some go with someone else. You ask the question. I said they're, they're experts at blowing you off. But whenever the second one says no, you really didn't answer that well. Yeah. You know, it's that second one that puts them on the hot seat. And uh, if you go with three people, uh, if they blow off two, by the third one they'll probably storm out. <laughs> you know. So uh, anyway, the people do have more power than they think of, and yeah. and they are afraid of the people. You know, and you look around the world, around the world, uh, you know, it, uh, and, and it's been it's been studied. Uh, a, a woman named Baumgartner, I believe was her name, did the study on this. Um, it only takes four percent of the people being active in order to uh, affect revolution, nonviolent revolution. Four, it's actually three point seven percent. It's less than that and has proven itself in, in Israel as they, top, they broke up the major corporations in Israel. These are all things that don't make the news. Uh, Chile. Uh, France right now, for uh, of that number, is protesting uh, the transatlantic mm-hmm. uh, partnership, the TTIP. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take much. 3.7% of the people just getting involved uh, can change the world. Um, I want to thank you guys for coming on the show. You guys not only are doing good work, you're a delight uh, mm-hmm. with whom to work. And so, uh, um, and, and Pogo, uh, Pogo.org, Project on Government Oversight. I'm going to say it again, Pogo.org. Um, find out what they're about. Uh, uh, don't be afraid to donate. Uh, 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 Mandy, you guys would take a $10 donation, wouldn't you? We would be so happy to take a $10 donation, and we'd really urge people to sign up for our newsletter, to sign up for our weekly reader updates. 
we can tell you when it's time to go bug your legislator and make sure they do the right thing. I, exactly. And, and, and if you can give, uh, give them a little bit of a donation, that's good. It'll help pay for all the brochures I'm taking from mm-hmm. them today. And so, uh, but no, I, I will do it. I encourage you to do it. And uh, uh, follow us. The Coffee Party USA and, and the Project on Government Oversight, we're hoping to work together. Uh, we can take their good work and bring it out to many people. And, and we're hoping you, listeners and Coffee Party members, Coffee Party followers, can all, um, and, and trust me, uh, um, there's a lot of you. There, there's a million of you that follow us on Facebook. I, I don't know the numbers offhand, but I think we get 55 million hits on the Coffee Party USA Facebook page every month. I think we get in the order of like 7 million likes. It, it, it's, it's an astounding number. And if just 1% of you were to write Congress, 1% of you, you, the, the, the listener, and, and your friend, or, or whomever you would share this show with, or share a POGO um, uh, news release with, were to write the congressman, uh, do not underestimate what your effectiveness will be to achieve uh, the most beautiful thing, and that's justice. And so um, I encourage you to do that. Uh, Liz Hempowitz? Thank you very much for being on the show. You were wonderful, despite that nervousness. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. <laughs> and Mandy Smithberger, I want to thank you for coming on the show. As always, you're a delight. And, and we've got a couple more shows and topics uh, that we're going to be working on here shortly, too. Thank you so much, Tim. All right. And again, this has been a Project on Government Oversight and Coffee Party USA joint production. I want to thank you, the listeners, for listening to the Tim Danahy Show and uh, get involved. Violence is their answer. The one percent is clear If we organize for justice They respond in right gear Ninety-nine want health care for all And for all to go to school Not poisons in our country Driven by military rule